Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. For a nation like India, our whole survival depends on prayer. You know, nothing else is going to take us too far. But it is our prayer that has been a great blessing and just a secret of our own survival. So my wife is in charge of the prayer of the whole organization. And if you know my Joyce, my wife, and uh, I, I find it difficult to sit with her and pray because she never stops. And I think that I got some work to do, you know. But uh, it doesn't matter to her. And uh, she's like, uh, her prayer is kind of eating dessert. And uh, so it's like our, we have a, our family prayer in the house. So no matter who you are, no matter how big you are, no food in my house without the family prayer. <laughs> so I used to tell her, you know, but uh, you, don't you think that there, there is a president of an organization? She said, well, president or no president, they all need prayer anyway. So, so that's how it is. And we have, she leads a group of women prayer groups right across the country. And we have got 1,300 prayer groups. Amen. So whenever I stand here and I say we pray for you, you have to understand there are 10,000 women praying every week. Amen. Hallelujah. So that is a little bit of prayer. That'll take you a little bit of, you know, distance with that prayer. So, and that's all we can give you back for all the things that you've done, you're doing. And all from our side is our sincere prayers. We pray, pray for uh, our brethren, our, our churches who stand with us, support us, and um, team with us. And we say, Lord, bless them. And uh, you take care of them, Lord. So that's how we pray. And that continues to grow. And uh, God has been so good to us. And it has been such a great joy for me to be here again. Like Bayside Church is an amazing blessing for us. It's a kind of a, like a home church. And of course, I love and respect Roz and Mary so much. And appreciate their friendship. And enjoy being with them. And so I really look forward to, apart from coming and preaching in the church, I really look forward to being with them. So that's about in a three days. And well, by the way, I got the privilege of going to Fraser Island after 17 years of coming. <laughs> that's not bad. So I'm, I'm, I hope there's no other island because it might take another 17 years to get there. So I may not be around. So, and, uh, so I enjoyed that yesterday. And uh, we had a boat for, uh, of, you know, f on our own. We won't let anybody else get in. We are Christians, right? <laughs> so Ross and Mary and myself, the whole boat for ourselves. Having a good time. Amen? That's what being a man of God means. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
and uh, God has been good. The work goes on well and uh, continues to grow and everything is happening the same way though we are having lots of trouble around us. Like we have a Hindu government, we have a, a very anti-Christian prime minister and uh, we have got uh, uh, an anti-militant uh, group that is fighting against Christianity and uh, his presence and his government has given the freedom to all these militant groups to be, you know, going on a, a troublemaking pathway where they are attacking the churches and uh, several pastors have been killed. Hundreds of churches were burned down to ashes. You know, like, these are not just words. You have to imagine that just this, just a church just getting burned down to ashes. And a pastor being pulled out and, and stabbed. And uh, this is so real. And uh, such a big struggle that we go through. And, uh, and they are becoming, becoming more and more open and blatant against Christianity. Like we had an election for five states last month. And unfortunately... The Hindu party won three of them. And one is the largest state in the nation of India. Largest means it has got 220 million people. Just one state. That's how many Australia put together. You know? And they appointed a Hindu holy man to be the premier of leading the largest state of our country. And his credential is he wants to kill every Christian. He wants to kill every Muslim. That anybody who is not a Hindu should not live in this nation. And we should have a cleansing to take place. That he has been vocal about that for years. And now he got a position where he can fight his cause. And even within the last three weeks, ever since he took over the power, there's so much of trouble in the state. And and everybody is living in fear and such a big challenge uh, that is going on over there. So that is uh, the nation. But the good news is in spite of all this, Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Otherwise, what will we do? No matter what, Jesus says, I'm here. Amen. And I will fight your cause. And I will stand for you. We don't know what is there for us tomorrow. If we have the freedom, you know, like, you got to have a license to receive foreign funds uh, in India. So what they could do, they could cancel the license. That means no matter how much money is there to go to India, you can't send it because we can't receive that money. And the latest thing is, of course, that you might know that Compassion International was kicked out of India just one month ago. Compassion International supports 145,000 children in India. And their annual budget is about 45 million US dollars. And they were kicked out one morning. They canceled the license. They said, pack up and leave. So what about the 145,000 children? Well, that's none of your business because there are millions 
of the children are on the street and they will join them. So that was the attitude of the government. So that's pretty sad, right? So, but the one good thing for us is they can't kick us out because we're not going anywhere. Amen? We are Indians and we live here. No matter what you do, no matter how much you persecute, we'll continue on and we'll do what God has called us to do when we will make sure that we will get every person saved. We'll see Jesus Christ become the Lord of every person's life and we'll do everything that God has called us and nobody can stop us. Amen? Hallelujah. I always get some phone calls and messages saying, we are watching you. I said, well, I need some people to watch me. You know? <laughs> Hallelujah. But the thing is, that's on one side. On the other side, we're having amazing revival. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. I think I must have shared with you that about four years ago, we had a revival. A church of 40 people grew to 10,000 people in two years' time. Yes. Amen. Yes. And now, we are having the same revival in another place, about 150 kilometers where the church has grown from zero to 5,000 in two years. Hallelujah. Amen? Hallelujah. And this revival is happening in the state called Orissa, which you will understand because one of the uh, Australian missionary, Brian Graham Staines and his son, was burned alive inside a van in that state. Not only them, they have killed hundreds of pastors. They have destroyed churches. They said, we will wipe out Christianity from the state of Orissa. And we will do this thing. We'll cleanse this place. And they have been trying. And God was sitting there and watching. Amen? I hope that you remember the story that I've shared with you where God sent the elephants. You remember that? God said, go and destroy their place for me, please. Amen? In the Bible, it only talks about bear. You know, bears came and killed the children because they have been teasing uh, Elisha. You remember that? But we beat that. We beat the Bible stories and we decided we'll have elephants for a change. Amen. Forty elephants came and mauled everything, destroy everything. You know, destroy the, 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 all the villages, everything that belonged to the Hindus. Everything that the people were, were persecuting the Christians, all of their villages were destroyed, just erased to the ground. Nobody can live there anymore. Amen? And now it became a talk of the town. Actually, talk of the state saying, you know, the Christians may be small in number, but don't play with them because if you do, the elephants are coming. Hallelujah. So they thought that they are, they are done with Christianity. They just dealt with it. They can't, you know, nothing can happen. But in the last two, three years, God said, you know, I think it's time, you know, for me, and it'll be a payback time for them. Amen? And God has moved this revival and you won't believe the amazing things that are happening. You know, dead being raised. You know, sickness of every kind of disease and sickness being healed instantaneously by the power of God. 
Amen. So when you are preaching in the church, 5,000, it's just like preaching in a crusade, you know, and God moving in a miraculous way. And it is happening more and more. Amen. The same place. And whenever the revival is taking place, the, these militants are backed off because they are frightened that this God might punish me and I may not be able to handle it. Amen. And we are telling them, you're right. Come close to us and watch what is going to happen for you. And they're all staying away watching it. Police is on our side because they come and get blessed. They come and get healed. So if anybody goes to the police, normally people go and complain to the police and they come after us and they arrest us and take us to the station. But in this area, they say, don't talk about us about that prayer meeting over there. We know what is going on. So if you want healing or blessing, go. Otherwise, stay away. <laughs> their God is too powerful. You can't handle their God. Amen. I like that. What an amazing God we serve. Yes, yes. Hallelujah. Yes, yes. Amen. Yes. He sits quietly for some time. And when he gets upset, you watch out. Yes. Amen. And we want him to get upset more often. Yes. Because uh, we need to show his power yes. in the nation of India. Yes. Amen. Yes. And uh, we have grown uh, past 4,500 churches, by the way. And um, 17 orphanages, 14 Bible schools, and, and several schools, you know, 65 sewing schools for destitute women, and the, and the work continues on. Amen? And I want to thank you. I want you to know that this church is the largest supporter of our ministry in the country of Australia. Amen? And I thank you for that. And, uh, you know, whenever the work grows, unfortunately, the needs also grow with it. Amen? So we have got our needs. Uh, one of the things that we want to do is to, to, to support our pastors and our orphans. You know, because these men being persecuted, beaten up, uh, burned down the, church, the, the houses, the churches... And in spite of all that, they're going through without the basic needs of life. No food, no clothing, children starving. So we try to support these great men. I call them my heroes. You know, I, I, I meet with all the uh, big guys and big guns around the world. You know, I, I'm friends with them. You know, with Bonky, Benihin, Cho, you know, and all these people. But to me, these men are my heroes. You know, these men working in a remote village somewhere. You know, nobody will ever hear about them. Nobody will know who are these men. I mean, no books will ever be written about them. No mission conference will ever invite them to speak. But they are amazing men. Dedicated for God. Suffering for the Lord. And uh, working and bringing the gospel to the unreached people who have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? And I believe they deserve some help. And uh, I ask every time. It's almost like 
you know, just you get tired of me standing and sharing and asking because we desperately need. And many of you, many of the people in this church do support our pastors, do support our orphans. Uh, we appreciate that very much. But I got some more pastors I brought with me. The, the photographs are sitting there at the back uh, of the desk where you can go and visit. You know, just putting away $2 every day. That $60 will make a change, make a difference for a pastor and family. A dollar a day, $30 will make a difference for an orphan. I got some photographs of orphan children. And um, compassion went, but we are still there. Amen? The orphan children still need help. And we need to take care of them. And we can do it together. Amen? Hallelujah. And uh, another need we have got, as all, you, all of you know, that we want to buy a bicycle for the pastors. It costs $100 to buy a bicycle. Not, I, we need 320 bicycles. Why, why, why is it not never finishing? Because we are having new churches started all the time. So new churches mean new pastors, and they don't have a bicycle. So we try to buy a bicycle for them. Otherwise, they'll be walking 20, 25 kilometers every day. Because I expect them, when the church is established, they should go to 10 villages taking the gospel around them. So they walk to every village. And that's what they do. So a bicycle will make all the difference for this man. And uh, $100 will make a life-changing experience for them. Amen? And God will bless them. I was actually, uh, I was in a church uh, several months ago. And I was preaching. So the pastor was sitting in the front row and he was playing with his cell phone. And I was getting upset. But he's a pastor. What, I, what can I do? Because I need an offering. Right? So I can't upset him. And I'm just trying, you know, just holding on and to my anointing and I get all messed up. I, look, I can't even preach. I'm looking at his phone all the time. And he's playing with it. So anyway, I finished my preaching and he got up and he said to me, I want to apologize to Pastor Abraham for, uh, you know, working with my phone. I said, you better apologize, you know. So then he said to me, I'm sorry, I'll tell you what I was doing. When he said the pastors were walking 20 miles or 25 kilometers, he said, I was doing the calculation and I was shocked to find it will take 5 hours and 20 minutes to walk that distance. And they walk every day. And he said, it's not fair. We are complaining about the cars we have. We are complaining about the things that we have. And here are men who are walking 5 hours every day for doing the work of God. So he said, we have to buy some bicycles for these people. You know? So that's how it is, five hours of walking, because they have been called to do the work of God. So buy some bicycles for us. Pastor is going to take an offering at the end of the service and uh, give a generous offering as you normally do. So we'll be able to take the money and help the pastors in the nation of India. Amen? And God will bless you. Hallelujah. Well, Well, thank you for those three people. 
Can I preach? Yes. Getting better. <laughs> now it is 20. Please say okay, because I won't, I'm going to preach anyway. So, Is it okay? Yes. Hallelujah. All right. Turn your Bibles or iPhone, U-phone, iPad, U-pad. I don't care what you have, you know, uh, to... The book of First Kings. One day we are planning to build a church in Delhi. I don't know how long it's going to take. We have been waiting for 30 years. So, but when and if we build a church, one of the things that I'm going to do, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to set up a cell phone jammer. You come 100 meters close to my building, your cell phone dies. We are going to go back to the old way of carrying a book called Bible. Amen? Well, otherwise you won't be able to read. Your cell phone won't do anything for you. So that's a plan. Maybe the people are praying against me building the building because they are worried about their phones. All right, 1 Kings chapter 3. I'm going to read verse 5. And at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask, what shall I give you? Who is asking this? God himself. So God is asking him, Ask, what shall I give you? That's an open invitation. Amen? It's like giving you a signed blank check and telling you, you write anything you want, you can have it. This is God asking. If I'm asking you, what shall I give you? Well, you won't get much from me, even if you ask me anything. But here God is asking us, what shall I give you? He's not saying, but by the way, you can't ask that. That's not what I like. You cannot ask these things. That's out of bounds. You cannot ask those things. That is carnal. He's not saying anything. He's saying, ask me, what shall I give you? Well, that's pretty tempting, isn't it? This is God asking you and me anything. So what will you do if God is asking you that question? You'll pull out that long list that you've been keeping so safe in your bag, right? <laughs> Hang on. I got it. And we'll pull it out and start reading it to him. What shall I give you? If you're honest to us, most of the things that we need is the material things of the world or the physical problems of our life. That's what you and I will be asking God. Isn't that true? 
Oh, I've been waiting for this thing for you to ask me so that I can buy the car that I like. So I can get the job that I want. I want to have the money that I like. I want to do the travel that I like. I want, and it keeps on going. And Solomon could have asked anything that he wanted because God has given him an open invitation to ask him anything. Amen? So what did he ask? We read that here. Solomon says in verse 8 and 9 and he says, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. And then he said, therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Stupid Solomon. How stupid that you could get. Here God is asking you. And he did not even put boundaries. He's told you you can ask anything. And this is all you could come up with. Instead of asking all the stuff that you could have had. And now you're asking for wisdom. You're asking for understanding. You don't need it you fool. That's what we think. Right? Because he could have asked so many things, just like you and me. We sit there and think, yeah, I know what I want. I could have asked him this. I could have asked him that one. I could have asked him, and, and it's all there. You know, even now as I'm talking to you, all the needs jump up. You know, it just comes up through your mind. And you remember those things that you're saying to yourself, yeah, 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 yeah I want that. But this guy messed it all up. And he says, just wanted to give me wisdom. And God, the Bible says, he, God was pleased when he heard that. And listen to what God says. God says in verse 11, he says, because you have asked this thing, which is the wisdom. And then he says, and you have not asked what are the things he did not ask? He says, you have not asked for a long life. You have not asked for riches. You have not asked for the lives of, the, of your enemies. And you did not ask any of those things that you could have asked. Amen? If you would have asked, God would not have been angry because he asked him. You didn't put the boundaries. You asked me and I'm telling you. Give it to me and God will have given it to him. But God says you did not ask all those things which normal human being will ask. Amen? Which I will ask and you will ask. Lord, I want a healthy, long life. No sickness in my body. Lord, I want plenty of money that I can blow. That's what we'll be asking. He says, you could have asked, but you didn't. And I'm going to give you the wisdom that you asked. And I'm going to make you a wise man. 
that you will be the wisest ever lived on the face of the earth. Never before or never after you. There will be anyone who will be as wise as King Solomon because you asked for wisdom. Amen? What would you like to become? Would you like to be known as the richest man on the earth? Would you like to know the healthiest person on the earth? Or would you like to be known as the wisest man? It's not the human wisdom because the Bible says the human wisdom is foolishness before God. So it is not that wisdom we are talking about. Yet God is giving his heavenly wisdom to a man that made him the wisest. Amen? He said you can have that. And then he smiles. God puts a little smile on his face and he says, by the way, I just want to give you a bonus. <laughs> Amen. What is the bonus, Lord? The things that you could have asked, you didn't ask, I'm going to give it to you anyway. Wow. Isn't that amazing? And you're thinking like this, well, I've lost wisdom. Why? I'll get the other ones anyway. That's because it is a story written in the Bible, right? And we know what is the outcome of it. And then we become so spiritual and say, Lord, I don't need anything. I only want wisdom. Oh, where is he? <laughs> Come on, tell me what you said to Solomon. Come on. Right? It is like the story of Abraham going to sacrifice Isaac. And we know the end of the story. He put him on the altar and he took the knife and the and God screamed out to him, stopped him and gave him a ram to sacrifice and he sent him back with the son. He said, that's a good story. And now God is speaking to you and saying, I want you to give your son to me. And we say, take two. <laughs> Why? Because we know the story, the ending of the story. But Solomon did not know that God was going to tell him you can have it. Amen? And you have to realize that Solomon was satisfied with wisdom that God will give it to him. Amen? Why? Because he had the revelation of whatever the things that you could have in this world is not as good as having God's wisdom. Amen? Hallelujah. And he, he, he got this all in a dream. Now he wanted to know whether it will work. Is it real? And then there's a story is put underneath where it says two women came with a complaint to, to the king. You know the story, one woman just, you know, lay over her own son and the son got killed. And in the night she picked up the, the son of the other woman and took it and put it and exchanged the kid. The dead kid to the mother and she took the son of the, the mother and kept it. Now they are both are standing before King Solomon. Everybody saying, he's my son, not my son, your son, my son, your dead son, living son. So he said, wait, wait, wait. So Solomon says, okay, bring me a sword. This is how the wisdom of God works. 
This is a test of him receiving God's wisdom. He said, bring me a sword. And the best thing I can think of is cut that living child into two, give half to this mother and half to that mother. That will settle everything. Amen. And the real mother started crying. Don't you ever do that to my son. Give it to her. I don't want my son to be dead. So the Solomon said, well, now we know the real mother. Give that to her and take this lady and give her a bit of a beating and send her home. <laughs> Amen. Wisdom started working. His wisdom was so powerful. That brought riches. That brought everything that a king can have or even more than he could have. It all came because of the wisdom. People came from all over the world to hear the words of wisdom from Solomon. Amen? I don't think they would have come if he had all the money in the world. You know, that doesn't attract people. But people wanted to hear because here is a man who has given God's wisdom. Amen? What would you ask in your life? Because today, the Lord is here and he wants to bless you. He wants to give you and he's asking you, what shall I give you? Amen? There's one more incident and we will we'll pray today. That is in 2 Kings chapter 2. This is the last journey of Elijah and Elisha. Elisha became the disciple of Elijah. And at the time come, came for Elijah to be taken away in the chariots of fire. So this is their last journey. They both started from Gilgal, it is in chapter 2. We, start, we read from verse 1, it says, they started the journey, they came from Gilgal, they came to Bethel. And even Elijah was discouraging his disciple not to come. He said, don't bother to come after me, stay here. Because the Lord is calling me from place to place. From Gilgal to Bethel. And now he's calling me to go from there to Jericho. And he's telling him, don't come. And Elisha said, don't waste your time. Don't try to stop me because I'm not stopping. And I'm coming with you. And that is my decision. So when he came to different cities, the Bible says, there were sons of the prophets living in each city like pastors. And they said to Elisha, don't go after your master. He'll be gone. And you'll be left all alone in the middle of nowhere. You stay with us. We'll give you a church. You can look after the church. He said to them, shut up. I'm going. He didn't say shut up, but the Bible had a better language. But I think that he would have said shut up. You know? So he said, you mind your business, man. I know what I want. And he followed and they came from Jericho to Jordan and he, he took a mantle and beat it on the water. The water divided into two and they crossed the other side and the water came together and there standing all alone with his disciple, he is asking in verse 9. We read like this. And so it was when they had, I'm telling 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 9, okay. And when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, ask, what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you? Same question. Amen? What do you want? 
What can I do to you? I'm going to be taken away soon. What do you want? It's really putting us in trouble, isn't it? We are, we are under tense situation here because what we wanted to ask, we don't know whether he likes it. And so we don't want to say anything because most of the things that we want is such a temporary thing, thing that are there and get lost. That's what really matters to us so much. And he's asking us, what can I do for you before I go? What will you do if God asks you that question? I believe that most of the time when God asks us the question, we really don't know what we really want. Amen? Oh, you are taking me by surprise. Give me seven days, let me fast and pray. And even then what you're going to come up is not going to be good anyway. Amen? We are all dilly-dallying with everything when God is speaking to us. But Elisha knew exactly what he wanted. He didn't need prayer. He didn't need to fast. He didn't need to think because all along the way he knew what he wanted. He was only waiting for the master to ask him. And when he said, what shall I do for you before I'm taken away from you? And he says, thank you, master. Thank you for asking me. I was waiting for you to ask that question because I know what I want. Amen? Amen? Yeah. And he says to him, you know what I want? I want that which is ticking within yourself. Yeah. That makes you different. That makes you a man of God. That makes you a man of miracle. That anointing, I would like to have a double portion of it if you, if you please. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to have a double portion of it. You greedy thing. <laughs> Amen. It was good. Double portion of Elisha's anointing. Elijah's anointing. I hate that. You know, these two guys having names so close. You always mess up their names. Call Elijah, 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 and you're sitting there wondering what on earth he's saying. Right? We should have given one of those guys' name like Peter or something like that, you know? And uh, he asked for the anointing. That's the two things I want to put before you as we're going to finish. God is asking, and on representing God, Elijah is asking. And the response was for two things. One was the wisdom of God. The other one was the anointing of God. Amen? You could have asked 150 things. You could have had it. He would have given it to you. You can walk out with that. But these two men chose to get the best thing that you can ever have in your life that will change you, that will transform you, that will empower you, that will give you the courage, that will give you the power to do great things for God, which your money cannot do, your education cannot do, nothing can do, but only the anointing of God can do it. Hallelujah. And he said, that's what I want. Amen. I want the anointing. 
Elijah said, okay. Oh, no, only one condition. That is, you should see me when I'm taken away from you. Elijah said, that's not a problem. And from that moment onwards, he became like a shadow of Elijah. Because he didn't want to be taken away without him knowing, so he would lose the anointing. So imagine him being there, and Elijah lost all his privacy. He could not even go to the bathroom, and he would walk and stand at the door, and he said, excuse me, I have to hang around here just in case if you're taken away from the bathroom. And there he is, watching over him, and suddenly the chariots of fire come and picks him up. And it just starts rising up. And he started running after the chariot. Looking up to Elijah calling, Oh, my master, the father of Israel. Where are you going? And he said, I'm going, but you're going to get what you want. And he takes his mantle and he throws it down from the chariot that floats and comes and falls upon Elijah. And he became the man of God with a double portion of anointing. You have to make a choice what you want to be. You can either be a pastor or you can be a man of God. What do you want? You can be just an ordinary person or you can be a man of God. The anointing will make you a man of God. What other things you have will only make you just a normal person. Amen. And he said, I don't want to be a son of a prophet. But I want to be a man of God. Amen? I want to see the power of God working through my life. What do you want to be in your life? Bunch of money? Will you be okay? I would rather have God's wisdom and having a sick body than having a healthy body with nothing from God. Because healing is so easy. But wisdom is hard to find. Amen. Hallelujah. Anointing is something that is going to change your life. It's going to change us. I mean, it is anointing that is going to last at the end of this age. It's anointed ones who will stand. Believe me. Believe me. It is not the flowery sermon that is going to cut it. It is anointing that is going to break the yoke. Amen. It is an anointing that is going to raise people up. It's anointing that is going to stir up the community. It's anointing that break the nations, break open the nations for Jesus Christ. It is anointing, not what you have, but it is His anointing. Hallelujah. Ready for it? That's what I believe for this church. Every time I sit with Pastor Ross, I will tell him, you know, just move in the anointing. Because moving, God has given you something that pastors don't have. I said, move in that anointing because you will bring heaven on this earth. I believe that with all my heart. It is not just for him. It is for every one of you. It's for every one of you. It's anointing that's going to do it. Amen. An old lady came to me. An old lady, illiterate. You know, she came. And uh, I was asking people, 
what God has done through your life. You got any testimony? She said, I got a testimony. I said, okay, what is the testimony? I'm thinking she's wasting my time. You know, this old lady, you know, whenever you see people old, you don't really believe them, right? And uh, so I'm thinking, what do you want to say? She's pretty old, you know, like, you know, late 70s. In Indian standard, by the way. And uh, so she tells the story. She said, I got saved and I'm the only Christian in my village. And I was ridiculed. I was mocked. and I was threatened. And people don't even allow me to get water from the well because I was the only Christian and they hate me. That was my life. And one day, one young man died in the village. And I struggled because as a villager, I'm supposed to go there and and share my condolences to them, but it's a hostile village out there. Finally, I took the courage and went into the house. And there, the dead body was kept in the coffin. And as she walked in there, the people's attention turned away from the dead man, and now they started calling all names and threatening her. They said, why, how dare you ought to come into this place, and we are going to throw you out, and all these things. And suddenly, one guy came up with this idea. He thought he was wise. And he said, okay, come over here. You always talk about your God. You always talk about your Jesus who can heal the sick, who can raise the dead, who can do all these things. Come now. Raise this man and show that your God is alive. So they pushed her towards the coffin. Everybody swarming around her. She didn't know what to do. And she's having this prayer, okay? She says, well, Jesus, it seems like we are in trouble. <laughs> the only way for me to get out is you have to do something. And this guy is dead. And I know that you can raise the people from the dead. I've got no problem, but I want these people to know you can do it. So Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you, just raise this boy. And she is talking. It's kind of, what kind of a prayer is this? Have you ever prayed like this? Such a lousy prayer. Right? Have you ever done that? And, but, but she was still in the process of praying. But the guy sat up. <laughs> he's up. <laughs> he's sitting up. And he's, hey, hey, hey. He's up. And the guys are running out from the house. Because when dead man rises up, they're not excited. They're petrified. They're running out. They're not coming. They come over. Hey, you get up. And you get him up and say, he must be lying there for quite a while. He might be hungry. Give him something to eat. It's anointing. Amen? It's just not for people like us. It's for you. It's for you. What are you going to do? Just a headache? No, you'll raise the dead. Amen? She said, you know, Pastor, ever since that time, I'm the hero of the village. Not hero. People are petrified just looking at me. <laughs> because they think if I could raise somebody dead, I can kill somebody who's alive. <laughs> by, just by looking at them. Oh, <laughs> he's dead. 
So whenever I walk on the streets, everybody is going to the side, you know, like the like the donkey of Belial, you know, rubbing against the, the wall. What do you want? You want the anointing? Stand with me, please. Let's pray. Something that the world cannot give. Something only the, the Lord Jesus Christ can give it to you. He's anointing. Two things that matters to us really. The wisdom and the anointing. For both for God's work and God's ministry. Amen. And all the rest of it, God will give it to you. I promise you. Everything that you want is nothing for God. But the toughest thing is to have His wisdom. To have His anointing. Do you want that? Would you like to have that wisdom? Amen. Cut the baby into two, that's a good deal. Anointing that can bring every power of God onto this earth through your life. Amen. You walk through the street, your anointing will, will touch people's lives. You walk into the marketplace, your anointing will radiate the presence of God. Amen. Where will you find that? Where can you buy it? He wants to give it to us. Only thing is, you have to ask Him. Do you want this wisdom and anointing in your life today? So you can be different. You can be unique. You can be amazing. You can be God's soldier. You can be God's man. This is how it will work. You want to have it? Lift up your hands with me please if you do. And mean it in your heart. And say to him, Lord, I think this is a good deal. Lord, I think that this is better than what I was looking for. I think it is better than what I've been asking for. Father God, this is going to change my life. This is going to do amazing things for me, Lord. I believe in you, Father. And I believe in your anointing. I believe in your wisdom. Give it to me, Lord. Is that what you're praying? Is that what your hands lifted up towards heaven is saying? Because he's giving it to you. Take it. Take it. It's happening right now. It's happening right now. Right now. Because you are asking for wisdom. Because you are asking for God's anointing. I see the Lord meeting your needs. Your physical needs. I see the Lord touching your body. And I see the Lord healing you. I see the Lord just blessing your family, the problems will be solved. Peace will be restored because you're asking for wisdom. Because you're asking for his anointing, your job will be secure. You will be receiving your job. You will be taking care of your family. Your life will be in store because you did not ask. That's what God says. Because you did not ask for these things. But I'm going to give it to you anyway. Amen. I believe God's power 
is being manifested. God's power is being manifested. Rachel, I want you to hear the word of God today. I want you to hear that the Lord says, because you honored me, there are things that you could have had that that would have established you in a better place. That would have established you in a prosperous place. But because you love me, because you dedicated your life, God is saying that the things that you did not ask me, I'll give it to you. And I will honor you among your own peers, among your own age group. I'll make you a miracle. I'll make you a blessing because you honored me. And I'm a God who remembers things. There's a book of remembrance. I write it down. And I will bring it to pass in your life. Because you honor me. And I will honor. I want you to take that in your spirit. Because the Lord will do those things. And as he does, you have to keep thanking God. Lord, thank you. Oh, that is your faithfulness. That is what you wanted to do in my life. Wonderful Jesus. Wonderful Jesus. Wonderful Jesus. For anybody who needs healing in your body, please raise your hands. Anyone who needs healing in your body, any sickness or any disease, doesn't matter. In the healing, virtue is flowing right here. Because we are, we are starting from top to bottom now. We don't climb up, we are climbing down. We have already asked for the wisdom and the anointing and now he want, God is wanting to do these petty things like healing your body. I want you to receive that because healing is taking place right now. He's touching your body and you're going to feel it in your body. Healing is coming upon. Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I command that you'll touch everyone who is sick in their bodies. And I command everyone to be healed in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I command you to be healed. And you'll be set free in the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. I see God's miracle taking place in the financial area of your life. God says, I am your Jehovah Jireh. You don't need to fight your battle on your own. I will fight it for you. God says, I will provide for you. Miracles will take place in the provision of your life. You would wonder, how did this ever happen? Where was this money coming from? God says, I just kept it for you. I'm just selling it on its way. Amen. Father, I bless everyone, Lord. I bless this church. In the mighty power of the Holy Spirit. Come and rest upon everyone. Lord God, lives will be transformed. Lord, people's, Lord, life will be established. Lord, faith will rise. Courage will be there in their hearts, Lord. God's name will be glorified. Father, I bless everyone, Lord. I thank you for this church, Lord. I bless Pastor Ross. Lord, I bless Pastor Peter. Anoint them, Lord. Lord, make them a blessing to the people in this place. Glorify your name, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.